Half the Battle is back! It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. And man, we got a great show today. You know, obviously, we're going to be talking to the UFC's newest welterweight, Bilal Muhammad, in just a second. You know, he's taking on Alan Juban on July 7th on UFC Fight Pass. It's the same card as Rafael Dos Anjos versus Eddie Alvarez two days before UFC 200, International Fight Week. Man, Bilal versus Juban, it's going to be a serious fight. Those two come to fight every single time. And you know what? We got to talk a little bit about this UFC Ottawa card because... Obviously, Wonderboy just secured himself a title shot. He went out there and, you know, he fought technically with Rory McDonald. One doesn't simply win a technical battle with Rory McDonald. Usually when guys beat him, you know, it's uh, Robbie Lawler breaking his nose in that fifth round. It's Carlos Conant TKOing him at the end of the third round. Or Robbie Lawler the first time they fought. You know, he put it on him there too, but... Everyone else in that division loses to Rory McDonald. And there was an interesting dynamic because Wonderboy and Rory, they are friends. And you guys saw the last time Wonderboy fought one of his friends, it was Patrick Cote. And he would drop Patrick Cote and instead of following up, you know, he'd help him back up. He'd high five him, give him a hug. You know, I was like, dude, what are you doing? Please don't do that in this fight. But you know what? He went out there and uh, he put it on Rory. He put on a technical clinic against someone as good as the Red King. And then also the Cowboy. Man, it's funny because everyone's trendy underdog pick for that card was Patrick Cote. And I was shaking my head because, look, how many times do we have to learn the lesson that Cowboy Cerrone doesn't lose to guys that aren't in the top five? Now, I know there's always that chance and that instance where someone rises to the occasion, but that this just wasn't the time, man. Cowboy always takes care of guys that aren't in the top five, let alone the top 15. Cote isn't even ranked. And, you know, styles make fights. It has nothing to do with rankings. But, you know, history repeats itself. Look at the record. Look at the numbers. And, you know, Cowboy had the performance of his career. Maybe he should stay at 170 pounds because, man, he looked fully fed, fully hydrated. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, we always criticize him for his slow starting and his lack of head movement. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. He was moving his head, and that wasn't a slow start at all. He dropped Cote, I believe, every round. And then in the third, he went out there and finished him. It became the first officially to finish Cote via strikes. Now, in my book, uh, Alessio Sakara knocked him out. But you know what? Now on paper, Cowboy has that under his belt. Then also, the real OC, Sean O'Connell and Steve Bossy. I mean, look, it's funny. People are always criticizing fights that go to decision. I guarantee you weren't criticizing that one. Those two put it all on the line. And, uh, man, I hope they're in the UFC for the rest of their careers because those are the kind of fighters that if you bring a friend over and you're like, hey, you got to check out this fight because this is why I love the UFC. This is why I love the sport of MMA. You show them a fight like Steve Bossy versus Sean O'Connell. And then also... Obviously, Joanne Calderwood made a statement, but how about Christoph Jocko, man? You know, I've been talking about this guy all week. He was a plus 200 underdog, and it's funny because in most of his fights, he goes out there, and he's a master of winning the close decision. Well, uh, the judges weren't needed on Saturday night as he went out there, and he stopped the barn cat, Tamden McRory, with a big left hand and knocked him out cold in under a minute. So, yeah, definitely look out for all those guys, especially Christoph Jocko. Ali Bagautina, that guy rebounded in style, man. Wow, talk about style points there. He came out there and he put it on Gian Herrera. And I'll tell you what, Gian Herrera's got some heart. So 
definitely was a great card at UFC Ottawa. If uh, you aren't able to catch it, make sure you check out the replay on UFC Fight Pass. And now we're going to hit up Bilal Muhammad. So, hope you guys enjoy. Joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Bilal Muhammad. Bilal, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. What's up, man? How's it going? Uh, glad to be back. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. I mean, dude, we're breaking records here. Second time in three weeks I have you on the show. But, you know, last time we talked, it had just got announced that you got signed to the UFC. But uh, now we got an opponent. So welcome back to the show, bro. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, finally got a name uh, to think about now. Yeah, I mean, and how do you feel about it? I mean, it's Alan Juban. I mean, Alan's no slouch. Alan comes to fight. Alan is experienced. How do you feel about the matchup? Uh, I like the matchup a lot, man. Uh, he's been in the UFC for a while, so he has a name. Uh, the fans know who he is, so if I come in there and uh, beat him, uh, I'm going to already have my name out there ready quick to get up into the rankings, I think. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, I mean, this is one of those situations where, you know, I, I know your boy Biggie Rhodes already beat him. I know he's like, oh, you're going to whoop on this model and all this. and But – at the end of the day, this is your fight, and Alan Juban's gotten a lot better since the time when he fought Biggie. So, I mean, obviously you're taking that into into consideration, and you're not underestimating him at all, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely not, man. Uh, he's, a, he's a different fighter from when he fought Biggie. He was a while ago, but, uh, yeah, you can never take it underestimate anybody because you never know what they're going through at that time or what they're going through now and stuff like that. Everybody changes, man. Now, like, I've changed from my last fight. My, month, my fight was like a month ago, so I know I've grown a lot, so. I'm sure he's going too. And does it get you particularly excited knowing that you're going up against a dude that's going to come to fight you? I mean, let's put it like this. Alan Juban's not going to try to hump your leg. He's not going to try to stall out the clock. With him, it's either kill or be killed. He's he's all, he's all good with, uh, with getting laid out in there. I mean, he's going to put it all on the line. He's going to go right after you. You ready for that? <clears throat> yeah, man. That's what I like about this fight the most, man. Uh... I think we could really go out there and steal the show from uh, all these other big top fights people are talking about. So I'm hoping that Sunday after the UFC 200, people are going to be talking about the Alan Joe Bambalama House fight. I think it's going to be one of those types of fights. Oh, no, for sure. It definitely will be. And for those that have watched your fights, they'll know exactly what you're talking about here. Now, for you, when you break down the matchup in your head, I mean, are there particular weapons or sequences? Are there things you see in your head working in this fight? Obviously, you don't want to give away the game plan, but, you know, is there certain things you're waiting for that, you know, you want to counter him with this or catch him with that? What are you thinking about during this matchup? Honestly, I think it's going to be an exciting uh, stand-up fight, man. Uh, he comes bang. He's not the, like you said. He's not the type that's gonna go in there and hump you, lay and pray out. Uh, fifteen minutes. He's not gonna go out there, push you against the cage, and lay over there, wait for the clock to uh, finish out. He's gonna go in there. He's gonna bang, and uh, I think uh, I'm be happy to oblige him. We're gonna go in there, stand in the middle, and go up. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's uh, that's called fight of the night. Now, have you ever faced an opponent where you drop the guy and then he gets back up and keeps fighting you? <clears throat> yeah, I, I've faced some guys at uh, amateur level that I've had to deal with, and uh, I'm actually putting that type of thing into my training right now, where, well, like, emulate the thing a little bit, where he gets, where I feel like I hurt him, but then he still comes back at me hard. 
Yeah, and obviously in the Steve Carl fight, you showed a lot of patience, a lot of maturity in the way that you handled that finish because he was hurt, you know, many points throughout that fight, even before you finished him. So you know how to handle yourself in that situation. The difference here is, though, now obviously it's the UFC, but the difference uh, that I want to point out is this is a three-round fight, man. You know, it's you're, you're, you're the champion from, uh, from Titan, but this isn't a five-round fight, so you got to get going early. You ready for that? Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot, man. Uh, I don't have to sit there and train it out, or I don't have to hold back a little more. Because you know, you, when you're training, when you're doing a five round fight, you don't want to sit there and blow the tank out in the first round. Now I feel like I, I already have a gas tank when it's five rounds. So when I have three rounds, I'm, I could go out there and push it a lot harder, a lot faster. Yeah, so you don't feel like you're a slow starter or anything like that. No, no, I feel like uh, I could come out there quick and uh, just turn it up. I mean, uh, I'm the type that where. I go based off what my opponent's doing, and uh, I'm good at judging how my opponent's feeling and how to uh, put the pressure on him and break him. And Alan Joe Bain's going to be uh, one of those guys. You have to put the pressure on him early and right away to break him. So that's my game plan is just go out there and come at him hard, man. Yeah, and when you talk about breaking a guy like that, it's interesting because with some guys, you know, you hit them hard once, and then they're broken. You know, then they don't want to engage anymore. But with Alan, to break him means to knock him out. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, yeah, he's one of those guys where he gets tougher when he gets he hits harder when he, when he's broken. When, like when he drops, that's when he that's when he's most dangerous. When he's like rocked or dazed, that's when uh, he gets most of his knockouts. So it is one of those where it's fifty fifty. We gotta we have to judge yourself how, where you are. You don't want to go overreact or anything like that when you got him hurt, and uh, you just gotta be smart in there with him. Yeah, and cardio's feeling on point and everything. Yeah, yeah, everything feels on point. Uh, Training's going good, and my card is always on point. It's just more so just getting the ring time and uh, sparring time in. So, obviously, you know, last time we talked, you were already a member of the UFC, but now you got the call to fight Alan Juban. What was it like when you got that call, man? Now you got a face to look forward to. Uh, it was great, man. It was big, man. Uh, just, uh, I'm training all year round no matter what, but when you have, like, a face to look, look at, somebody that you know you want to train for, it just ch- it turns out training that much more, man. Uh, it gives you something to look forward to. It gives you something, especially since the biggest weekend of the year for the UFC, one of the biggest shows uh, that whole week. So if I go out there and I put on a show quick, uh, you know there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of fans watching. Yeah, absolutely, man. And obviously uh, Ramadan was recently our boy uh, Imad Ahmad. He asked me to ask you this, and I think it's a great question because I, I would have totally forgot otherwise. <laughs> I mean, did that affect your training at all? Now, I don't know, you know, what, what kinds of, uh, you know, what the guidelines are for the Ramadan fast, but, you know, how, how did that, you know, mix it with the training, man? Yeah, for Ramadan, you're basically not eating or drinking from uh, sunrise to sunset. And it's just one of those where you just got to tough it out. Uh, I'm still training my regular schedule, and then uh, I'll probably do something uh, late night too. But uh, it's one of those where it's, it just makes you gives you a stronger mind. So if you could put, you know, you could push through without water or food, you could push through like two days or three days without that, then you know the fight's gonna be simple and easy for you. So, dude, in a way, is that actually better for your weight cutting? Uh, not really. I want to say just more so. I mean, because you're still eating at night, so you still want to refuel and everything, so you could have energy for the morning or for the packages tomorrow. So it's just how you gotta you gotta balance it out because you don't want to sit there and overeat and then uh, overeat on bad stuff and then wake up in the next morning and you want to feel all stuffy and you don't even feel like training. So I'm still eating light, but I'm still eating enough food where I'm gonna have the same amount of energy for tomorrow, so so I can get through packages. 
Is this your first time having a training camp during Ramadan? Um, I, I actually had my pro debut during Ramadan my first time, so uh, I've been through it before. And I, like I said, I usually train through it no matter what, so now at least it gives me something at the end of the, the month to look forward to. Well, you know what, man? In your pro debut, you went out there and you knocked the dude out in under three minutes. So if that's any indication, maybe uh, maybe you'll get a similar result here. <laughs> yeah, but then I'm just going to start fasting through all my camps. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, that's that. That's the way to go, man. So, hey, did you see uh, did you see Wonder Boy and Rory the other day? Yeah, man, that was a great fight, man. Uh, Rory's a tough dude. I mean, uh, Wonder Boy's a tough dude, man. Dude, yeah, for real. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be uh, interesting to see who challenges them next. Yeah, well, oh yeah, that's right. Woodley is your your teammate. So fuck, let's let's talk about that, man. I mean, because look, everyone is counting out Tyron Woodley, and you know we can talk about whether he deserves a title shot or not. But to me, deserve. I mean, who cares about that word in this sport? In this sport, it's about going inside the octagon and proving yourself an, against another man, and the better man wins, as Bisbing showed against Luke Rockhold two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly, man. You got all these haters and everybody, oh, he doesn't deserve it, he doesn't deserve it. I mean, they gave Kanye a title shot after he was out for like two years, and Woodley beat him, and then he came out, beat Thiago Alves, wasn't even ranked, and then they gave him a title shot, but nobody was complaining about that. These people are just hating out here. Uh, I think Woodley's going to go in there. I think he's, like, still, he's still been training. He's still been going hard, so I think he's going to go out there, and uh, I, I think he's going to finish uh, with Lawler, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that fight goes. Yeah, well, it's in my hometown, ATL, man. You uh, you thinking about coming out? Yeah, I'm really actually thinking about coming out for that one. That'll be a nice place to go. I haven't been to ATL, so it'll be good just to visit down there and uh, check out the place. Yeah, if you do, definitely hit me up. I'll show you. Uh, I'll show you what ATL is all about, dude. But hey, you said you think he's gonna finish him. I mean, you think it's gonna be early? You think it's gonna be a war of attrition? How do you see that one going down, bro? Uh, man, honestly, uh, Lawler's one of those dudes where. Like out of all the champions, he's like not the most flashiest or the most that the most athletic or the most great. He's just a guy that has a lot of heart and he comes to bang. He's not like a uh, Demetrius Johnson or you know he's fast, he's athletic. He's like good everywhere, great everywhere. Lawler's just a fighter. That's what he's just, he's just a, a gladiator. So I think uh, Willie could go out there, take him down, and then uh, break him because Lawler's fights that he lost in strike force, he got taken down, and then uh, it was his ground game that was his weak point. So I think uh, Willie's takedown. He's a, he's a tough guy when he takes it to the ground. He's not, you're not going to get him off you. So I think you can finish him on the ground or even on the feet because you saw what he did to uh, Kymet where he like, tore his ACL with the uh, leg kick. So. And then uh, Lawler's one of those dudes that he likes to get hit. So it's yeah. not going to be easy when you get hit by Woodley. Yeah, that's true. Woodley's uh, power is, I mean, it's, it's God-given power, man. I mean, he's a natural specimen. But I think... What the fans love about a guy like Robbie Lawler so much is, you know, he's the first uh, long-reigning welterweight champion since GSP. Now, with GSP, yeah, he's amazing. You know, he takes dudes' weapons away from them. He beats you at your own game. He shuts you out. But his biggest criticism was, you know, he goes to decision every single time. Now, for me personally, I don't have a problem with fighters that go to decision. It's either an exciting fight or it's not. You know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Steve Bossy versus Sean O'Connell, that went the distance. No one's talking about how that was a bad fight. You know what I mean? It's just about how you fight. And the way Robbie fights, that's what the fans love. You know what I'm saying, Bilal? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Like I said, the, that fight was amazing. That fight was crazy. And then you see, like, GSP, where he's going to the decision, but it's not like a boring decision. It's not like that 
that uh, Alvin, I mean, uh, Sam Alvey fight against uh, oh from the weekend. Oh, my God. Yeah, let's not even talk yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those, you're like, oh, my God, dude, both these guys, what the hell are they doing in there? Yeah, cut, so it's cut, not, cut that, them that both. DSP's bringing action. He's, doing, he's taking it on, and you're looking at him like, wow, he's just treating these guys like they're little kids. So, I mean, he goes to decision, but he's one of the freak. He's taking you out of your game no matter what. Hey, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot like this, but if you were Joe Silva, you were the matchmaker of the UFC, and you had two guys like Sam Alvey and Elias Theodoro, and you know you put them on your Fight Pass featured prelim, and they go out there and they put on a show like that, I mean, would you cut them both? Man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to cut them. But just the fact that the way they're uh, – like they hyped it up so much. Where they're hyping it up like a month out. Like, that's what I said, where – you see guys talking trash and like, oh man, uh, why don't you talk trash to your opponents and all this other stuff? I'm like, those are, those fights are usually the most boring fights. So I sit there, hype it up, and then when I get in the cage, they're just looking at each other the whole time. And I'm sitting there like, wow, these guys. I thought that it was gonna be actually a fight because the way they were talking and the way they were like going back and forth on uh, social media. And I was like, oh my god, this fight's terrible right now. Yeah, dude, you know, ever since Conor McGregor came along, everyone thinks that they can sell a fight like he does, and it's like, there's only one Conor. If you're going to sell a fight, look, be yourself. There, There's promotional, uh, you know, trash talkers out there. There's guys like Chael, guys like Conor. They know how to sell fights, but if you don't know how to sell a fight, man, and then you go out there and you fucking stare at the guy for three rounds, I mean, it, it, it's rough, bro, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, man. This is this is your job, dude. You don't have to go out there and be be somebody you're not. I mean, kind of a guy. There's only one kind of a guy or one show Sutton. and then they wrote the blueprint of how to how to sell fights, man. But just some people just don't have that personality. Don't go out there and try to fake it, and then you get into the fight and you you everything you said you don't do. Kind of goes out there, he talks, but he still goes in the cage and every single one of his fights he brings it. These guys they're talking, and neither one of them wanted to touch. They're just like shadow boxing. Yeah, now speaking of Conor, man, I mean, he's fighting Nate once again at 170 pounds, which to me, you know, I, at one point I was backing Conor to be one of the greatest of all time, but 170 pounds was never part of the equation. I was always like, dude, no one at featherweight can touch this dude. And that, that's with all respect to Frankie Edgar. You know, he, he's a legend as well. I would love to see that fight. But when I was saying those things, like I said, 170 pounds was never part of the equation. But now he's going up there. He wants to fight Diaz again. How do you see that one going down below? Yeah, man, it's a crazy fight, man. Uh, but I heard that he's really big in person. So, And uh, it didn't look like size was really that much of a factor in the first one. I think it was just more so that he was, because he was landing some shots on Diaz. I think he just took Diaz's chin for granted. Like, he thought, he took his power for granted, where he thought, I'm going to go out there. I was knocking out featherweight super easy. I'm going to go out there and knock out Diaz. Because he was landing some hard shots on Diaz, but he doesn't, the Diaz brothers, they got chins of steel, man. You got It needs a freaking truck to knock one of them out. So I think he was one of those where he was overconfident with his power. So I think he's going to be a lot smarter this fight. And uh, I think he's going to be able to pick him apart this fight. I mean, Diaz says that the first uh, fight, he didn't have no camp and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean... Diaz brothers are they it's not like they come out with a different game plan every fight. They're coming out the same way every time. They're coming out the bang, box it out. They're not it's not like they have anything different they're gonna show you. Yeah, and also I wanna ask you this. Do you think that, you know, because you brought up the fact that Conor McGregor did land a lot of hard shots, you know, within the first seven or eight minutes of that fight, do you think that there's a chance that maybe this time he can put him down? Because I mean there's only so many clean left hands to the chin that you can take. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he'll put him down, but not early at least. But maybe, maybe toward the uh, 
if it goes to the third round or something like that, I think that he'll be able, he'll be close to it. But uh, I think he's gonna be a lot smarter with it. He's not gonna overly overcompensate for his power. He's not gonna sit there and throw nothing but bombs because that whole first fight, he was sitting there throwing nothing but bombs, man. And then and that takes a lot of energy out of you, man. So like you could tell when and then when the guy's not dropping, it just makes you lose that much more confidence when you know that oh man, I was at featherweight. Anytime I landed my left hand, these guys are dropping like like flies. Now I come up to uh, welterweight, and this guy, I'm hitting him with freaking 10 shots, and he's not even budging. Yeah, exactly, man. And what do you think about Mark Hunt versus Brock Lesnar? Because for me, you know, just, you know, I want Mark to win this one for MMA. And that's no disrespect to your boy, CM Punk, because he's in a completely different situation. He's not fighting a legend of the sport like Mark Hunt. You know, Mickey Gall, props to him, respect for taking the fight. But Hunt versus Lesnar is a different ballgame because... In the time that uh, Brock Lesnar retired from the sport, Hunt's been putting in work, man. I mean, he's been going up there against guys like Stipe, guys like Ward Doom, guys like Frank Mir. He's been in there with everyone. And now uh, Brock's coming off a five-year layoff, you know, doing all the pro wrestling, wants to come back in here for one last paycheck. For me, I really want Hunt to go out there and win this for all the MMA guys. But how do you see the fight going down, bro? Yeah, yeah, like I'm with you with that one. I, want, I really want Hunt to win, man, just because... I don't want back guys that think, oh, hey, I'm the baddest man on the planet. I, I could go leave for five years and come back and then still be one of the top guys out there. But, uh, man, I think Brock Lesnar does not like to get hit. So I think if Hunt comes uh, with that uppercut, I think I'll land it on uh, Brock. If we think he lands one or two on him, he's going to drop. But the thing is, Brock Lesnar is wrestling, man. Uh, I really hope that – I know he's going to take Hunt down, but I really hope that Hunt at least works his ground game where he could just at least hold to get a stand-up. Or uh, at least defend a couple takedowns so he can land that uppercut and drop him. I'm really hoping for a walk-up knockout. That would be great. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, that's that's what I want. That's what all the real fans want. And uh, hopefully that's what the UFC wants too. You know what I'm saying? So we'll, we'll have to tune in to see what happens. But, hey, Bilal, I, I, I got to let you go, man. But I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. And before we get out of here, man, I need a fight prediction. How's your fight between you and Alan Juban going to go down? Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me back on the show, man. Uh, fight prediction. Uh, I'm, I'm predicting a lot of action and my hand getting raised at the end. And real quick, uh, because I assume, I could be wrong, but I assume you're going to be the betting underdog for this fight. Because, I mean, dude, you were the underdog against Steve Carl, which was, you know, laughable. <laughs> but this is different. This is Alan Juban. You know, he, he's got a name. People know who he is. Great knockout wins in his uh, UFC career. Do you have any uh, opinion on being the underdog in this fight? Uh, man, I'm hoping I'm going to be the underdog in this fight just so my people can make some money off me. Yeah, and I, that, that's the plan. You know, I run bestfightpicks.com, and if you are the underdog, we'll definitely be uh, taking a shot on you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. And hey, brother, thanks again for the time, man. And, you know, all the fans, follow Bilal Muhammad at BullyB170. Make sure to tune in. It's on Fox Sports 1, right? Yes, sir. Fox Sports no, 1. No, no, it's on uh, Fight Pass. Oh, Fight Pass. And it's on uh, the 7th of July? Yeah. UFC Fight Pass, the 7th of July, and I believe it's the same card as RDA versus Eddie, which is going to be a hell of a fight. Yes, sir. How do you, first of all, I mean, I, I keep uh, saying my outro, my closing words, but then I keep having que <laughs> I keep having questions for you. You got uh, RDA defending the belt against Eddie? Because here's the thing, man. Eddie's always counted out, but then he just manages to win these fights. 
Yeah, man, but I'm a little sorry about him when he beat uh, Pettis. I don't think he deserved that one, man. That wasn't really a fight. That was one of those where you said where the guy uh, sat there and held out a decision. But uh, I think RDA is going to go out there and take him out, I think. I'm, a lot I'm hoping for, just because I didn't like the way Eddie fought uh, his game plan against Pettis. I didn't like his game plan against Pettis as a fan, but I can kind of relate just because, like, you know, I wouldn't want to stand and bang with Anthony Pettis. You know what I mean? I, I, if I was going to fight yeah. Anthony Pettis, I would do my best to just hug him for 15 minutes, put him up against the fence, you know, don't let him kick me, don't let him punch me, don't let him uh, submit me. Like, just keep keep him against the fence, you know what I'm saying? Stall out that clock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, I know, I know that, man, but... Just that, like you said, as a fan, like I'm a fight fan too, man. I want to see when you see Eddie Alvarez against Pettis, you're thinking, "Oh man, it's gonna be a war." Eddie Alvarez always fights are wars, man. When you saw that, you're like, "Oh my god, seriously!" And again, with Pettis shot after that. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but you know, it is what it is. You think uh, you think Pettis is gonna do good at 45? Because uh, you know, I saw him at UFC 197. It did look like the cut to 55 was you know, a bit tough, but at the same time, you can change certain things in your diet and every single time is different. So do you think he's going to have success at featherweight? Yeah, yeah, I think he can make 45 easily because I know that, like you said, where you, you switch a couple things up, you can make the weight easily, and especially with all of these uh, nutritionists out here. There's always somebody out here that has a new way of uh, dieting and showing you how to eat right. So I think he'll make the weight cut easily. And uh, yeah, I think he's going to be uh, something to be reckoned with at 45, man. His power at 55 was... Uh, deadly. So I think at 45, it would be even worse. Yeah, and the guy he's fighting, uh, Du Bronx, you know, me and my friends, we have a joke. We like to call him Du Quit. So I think that if Pettis lands one of those big body kicks or, you know, if, if Pettis is Pettis out there, he's going to take care of business. Yeah, yeah. I said, man, I, that's what I was really thinking too, man. He lands one of those body kicks. Brian Hill, he'll just drop it no matter what. Yeah, exactly, man. Well, hey, Bilal, I got to let you go, man. Thanks again for taking the time, brother, and uh, I hope to speak to you soon, man. Best of luck against Juban. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Peace out. There you have it, folks. Bilal Muhammad. What a cool guy, right? And he's taking on Alan Juban July 7th on UFC Fight Pass. Make sure you check it out. It's going to be a hell of a fight. And for all the fans, thank you so much for listening to Half the Battle. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at BestFightPicks. Go to BestFightPicks.com. And until the next time, enjoy the fights.